0: training mindset integrity incremental improvement what can you do better today start right here with the Pandola project
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pendola Project. I'm your host, Matt Pendola. Mm,
0: hello, Matt Pandola. I'm Jake Parker here with your Process to Success episode 45, talking about your fundamental training pillars. And these are
1: essential elements of any training program, right, Matt? Yeah. So we have our base training, we have our strength training, and we have our power training. But these training pillars oftentimes are done segmentally or in other words as we increase our stability mobility proprioception we move on to say strength and as we improve our strength we move on to power what i like to try to educate people about is that we want that more nonlinear approach it's just that One thing is being emphasized a little bit more as we go. And of course we wanna start more with our base work and work our way up the pyramid from there. Obviously the peak performance being at the top of that pyramid, the wider your base is, the higher you can peak. So we'll talk about those things today. I'm excited to break that open and really get into what works. But then in future podcasting, we're going to definitely talk about more of the specifics of how do we break up a training progression year by year, month by month, week by week, day by day. Absolutely, so after this one, you're
0: gonna have a much better understanding of the fundamental training pillars. Here we go with episode 45. All right. We are back with episode 45. Happy Wednesday to all of you. Matt, happy Wednesday. How is the week so far? Are you taking care of yourself, man? You getting
1: any sleep? Yeah, actually, thanks for asking. I've done a lot better with my sleep, getting into a routine again, and honestly, just getting back to the weights a little bit more. I think I'm ready to hit the hay. You get tired when you start lifting again, man.
0: I I certainly can empathize with that. I will get conked out after a day
1: of uh, good training. Well, you know, I don't train that long. I don't have a time I did when I was in my 20s, but just quality over quantity and then just making sure that I'm getting that training in at the right time of day. If I if I train too late, that might wait, work for some people. It does not work for me whatsoever. I'm going to be kind of jacked up if I train before bed and then I'm going to be up late. So I've got to get my training in before two o'clock.
0: Yeah, I prefer it as a pick me up so I use it, you know, earlier in the mornings that helps me have a better, more productive day throughout the rest of the day. But if I try to do it before bed, like one of the classes I'm teaching right now, man, at the university, um, I'm teaching TRX and it's at 730 p.m. And I kind of feel bad for the
1: students that are coming. I'm like, you guys got to go to bed. You have to get pretty creative, I imagine. Just You're just using a TRX, or is that just the name of the class? It's the name of the class. Yes,
0: I do other things as well. We can do plyometrics. We got some little sand balls, but uh, the, it's marketed as TRX.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah, which nothing against TRX. I just, man, shoot me in the head if all I can ever do is use one piece of equipment. You're
0: correct. You do have to get a little creative, and then you throw in uh, college students into the mix, and things get a little crazy.
1: Yeah, and I get that you wanna stick with something because it's a little easier to teach it and everybody knows it Mm -hmm. and then you can keep repeating it, but it's kind of what we're gonna be talking about today a little bit more is those things tend to yield results initially and then we need some change. We need something different, we need a different stimulus.
0: They are one part of this puzzle and one of the things that's hard to explain to people in this class I teach is like, this does not cover you. You know, I'm glad that you're here But this is not everything. You need to be doing things outside of this class. And that, like you said, that is what we're here to talk about. This training guide is to give you listening to this an idea of what you need to be covering, like your base or your corrective protocol. How often are you doing a strength training day? So, Matt, for those listening, what do we want to start thinking about?
1: Well, I feel like I have to say you should have an assessment done. And hopefully this is done by somebody who really knows what they're looking at and how they can help you. Unfortunately, Jake, that's something that's either not affordable for everybody or it's hard to find the right professional to help you. So these are things that we want to consider in the beginning. Okay, so starting with the base of your pyramid, Jake, oftentimes I think this is the main thing that's overlooked. In fact, Almost every single person that's ever walked into my facility has a poor understanding of base training. And so we should get that initial assessment done so we understand what we might need to focus on a little bit more. We should know our why. So always answering that why. And we've talked, for example, about guys like Les Nesbitt who did not understand what he needed to do to get healthier, to get stronger, But with the right answers, he was able to buy in and really get that base established, which eventually led him to his goals. So knowing how important these factors are in your base makes all the difference. So what are these factors? You have flexibility, you have mobility, you have stability, you have balance, and you have proprioception. Those are the main things that make up your base. So if I ask the average person, what is flexibility? A lot of times they have a poor understanding of that. Gumby comes to mind. Yeah, or like, can I touch my toes? Do you remember Gumby and his Pony Pal Pokey too? I do, yeah. I had the little stretch doll. So basically your ability of your soft tissues to move through a static range of motion, that's what's important about flexibility, okay? But what is available at the joint? this is not something that is going to be the same for everybody and not necessarily going to be an indicator of your overall readiness for your sport, let's say, or for your why. So for example, what I like to bring up is touching toes, right, a lot of people use that as an idea about hamstring flexibility, right? Can we touch our toes? Well, that will show what kind of available range we have at the joint. But that doesn't necessarily show my readiness for running, let's say. My hamstring recoil is helping serve me in my running gait. But I cannot go anywhere near touching my toes when I get into a movement like that. People, like, they look at me shocked. Like, they think that I should be able to push my nose between my knees. Mm-hmm. Not, not, even, not even close. And you know what? It doesn't bother me because it doesn't change a thing about... My health and my readiness.
0: So understanding the difference of just being quote unquote flexible and then
1: actually having an application for it is what you're saying? Yes. And just for example, if I have an athlete that is hyperextending, if I have somebody, for example, who straightens their arms out and extends their elbows. Like a T. Yes. But they're elbows hyperextend, that may be an indication that we need to consider some different avenues for their strength training so that we can develop a little bit more stability around that joint. So when we look at those areas of the body, it's more so we can understand our programming, but not that we necessarily think about one area of flexibility being good versus another being quote unquote bad. It just, it is what it is. And it's telling us something about how we're able to move.
0: All right, Matt. So that's a quick explanation of flexibility, which is different from the next one,
1: mobility. Mobility is kind of not well understood. Well, I don't think any of this is generally understood, which is why we tend to move in the wrong direction, pun intended, right? So we have with our mobility, the ability to move a joint through a range of motion with strength and stability. That last word I think is key, stability,
0: because it's one thing like, okay, can I do the can can and get my heels up really high? Like, sure, I can do it, but I'm not going to be able to do it properly or in a...
1: Functional manner. Exactly. So you realize that a gymnast or a dancer has phenomenal world-class flexibility, generally speaking, but their mobility is really the key indicator of how well they're going to be able to execute things. And
0: speaking of stability, key component to your whole training archetype, stability being defined as the ability to control your body during movement Against any gravity or resistance. So it's being able to be in control
1: and not pushed around by whatever outside forces there are. So when we look at balance, for example, that's oftentimes confused with stability. Balance is our ability to control our body without movement against gravity or against resistance. So these ideas rolled into one really comes to proprioception. Proprioception is essentially going to be our ability to sense the position we're in, the motion of the joints that have that mobility, stability, balance, but while we are moving through those involuntary reflexes. And we're trying to stabilize and we're trying to protect ourselves and maintain that posture and balance as we move. So for example, this is just a fancy way of saying if I'm used to running on the roads, Jake, getting on the trails and challenging my proprioception is probably going to serve me and even prevent injuries. In fact, My track athletes will be on the trails at least one day a week, even in season. I strongly believe in that. In my programming that I write up, we have least minimum one day of trail running a week, usually more.
0: Yeah, I think of it as just more real world application because you're not always going to be in this science lab setting where everything is perfect and you can have perfect form, you're going to step the wrong way off of a curb one day. And are you training in a way that's going to be, you know, preparing your body to be able to handle that?
1: Yeah. And speaking of that, when you're in the gym and you're using a BOSU ball, let's say, okay, most people are thinking about stepping on top of the ball with the flat part down on the ground. I never do it that way. Flip the ball around have this the flat part where your foot's at. And that is going to challenge your proprioception, but it's more realistic because your foot is going to be on pretty solid ground unless there's like an earthquake. Right. Right? And so unless you're training for that. Which if you're training
0: for an earthquake, then congratulations, you'll outlive all of us. But for the rest of you who aren't training for an earthquake, now that we've covered Stability, mobility, flexibility, proprioception. Now we can talk about strength. These are the things that people more typically think of when they think of a training plan or just exercise in general, right, Matt? Like strength. Okay, I know what that is. It's your ability to move heavy stuff.
1: Yeah, you really want to be able to exert force against resistance. And this is so you can complete a specific task. So again, go back to your why. And what are you focused on? What movements do you need to establish in your programming? And are those movements appropriate? So we'll circle back to that. So when it comes to your strength training, Jake, a lot of times we have to look at what is appropriate for our strength needs, what's going to be relative, in other words, for our why. So For example, if our friend does a 300-pound bench press, Mm -hmm. is that going to serve me? If I make that a goal and I'm trying to hit a 300-pound bench press, if I need to establish that type of strength, absolutely, I should create a good progression plan to get there. But... Sometimes it's risk versus reward and asking yourself, why is this necessary? For example, with my shoulder, when I was hot shotting, I had that injury to my shoulder from the tree falling on my shoulder. So this is something I've brought up in the past as an example of dumbbell floor presses, for example, are going to be much friendlier on my shoulder but especially with the angle that I'm going to hit, which is going to be a little bit more elbows in. This is going to serve me. I'm not going to be able to press as much weight as I could if I were doing a barbell bench press but I'm also not gonna destroy my shoulder in the process. I'm gonna be able to do push-ups a couple days later or even the next day. So that's the point is that I wanna be able to keep those joints congruent. I wanna do what's useful in serving myself.
0: All right, Matt. So then where would you take that chest press, that dumbbell floor press
1: to next? So I might start to involve more power, which is the next part of my progression into my plan, and there I might start doing more clapping pushups, let's say. I'm gonna be able to establish a better ability for speed and explosiveness. I wanna be able to understand, though, that that is a small part of my training, and certainly it is after I've established a good base, good strength, and now I can take advantage of the clapping push-ups because, again, I stress that if we don't have the stability, if we don't have the centigration, which is like my ability to keep my joints aligned as I'm pushing through that mass-specific force, in this case, my hands through the ground, like push into the ground or I think about just pushing right through that surface and be able to clap explosively without having my elbows flare out, for example, without spilling my spine, then I'm going to get more power. So let's remember that strength plus speed equals power.
0: Right. And if you don't have strength, you can't have power and you can't have strength without those things we talked about earlier. Your stability, your proprioception, your flexibility, mobility. Those are what are going to have to come first, which is why I think it's so essential that we talk about this yearly guide and because
1: those things have to come first. And when it comes to power, a lot of people just think about the explosive stuff, right, Jake? Like yeah. the highly explosive bells and whistles. We kind of think of it like so. power cleans. Sure. Yeah. Power cleans, box jumps, hill sprints. Mm. You know, th- these are all great movements, but we want to remember that endurance is a part of the power equation as well. And in fact, when you think about it, it is important, in most people, to establish better endurance. And so what is endurance to you, Jake? What's your definition of endurance? My ability to exert some kind of force over a prolonged period of time. Yeah, that's excellent, Jake. So there's no courage in defeated mechanics. We talk about that for everything we do, whether it is in our base training, our strength training, our power. Obviously, if we don't have energy leaks, we're going to have better power economy. So over time, when you think about how much repetition there is in the things that we're doing, there's a lot of cyclic action there. There's a lot of repetitive motion. And so those things we have to be prepared for so we can go and go and go without losing that energy, without risking that injury. So those are the things that we want to work towards with good endurance work. As well. keep your training relative is what I'm saying. With your relative training, it circles back to your why. And your training is only as good as your ability to express your strength in your skill sets in your sport or in your life. So it depends on what it is that you're shooting for. But for most people listening, these are the fundamentals, and these are things that we really need to, consistently address, and I believe in non-linear progression plans. So in other words, we might be emphasizing some strength work in one phase, but still making sure we're addressing our base work and getting in a little bit of power work. Another phase, we might be focused more on the power, but we're still getting in some auxiliary or accessory strength. We're still focused on good base work. So these are the things that we want to address year round. It's just important to plan out what it is that we need to do to adjust so that we can accomplish our goals at the time we're trying to accomplish those goals.
0: Yeah, always making sure that you keep your process in mind and your goals in mind. Like, Matt, your example earlier of the guy, buddy of yours, who can bench 300 pounds. That's great. It has nothing to do with my plan, though, and so I have no need to make a, a path toward benching 300 pounds, but I'm sure you've got tons of examples like
1: that. Just giving you a couple of real-world examples here about what served my athletes, I had two athletes on Sunday, just a few days ago, that both reached their goals in the half marathon. One athlete, he did it in New York, and actually you've heard him talk before, that's Billy Haug, and you'll hear him talk again, Billy the Kid. Way to go, Billy. Yes, and so he ran the New York half. I'm happy to say that he qualified for the New York marathon, which was his goal in doing that. And then the other athlete that I had was Elena Marshager. And Elena, she ran in Vegas for the half marathon there. So two different types of courses. One's in Vegas, so certainly much hotter. Totally different than New York. (laughs) New York was Mm -hmm. cold, And so, although Vegas was kind of windy actually. So this was part of what we prepared for in our mindset or our mentality going into this, we knew that we could have wind as a factor. So just whether or not we are going to be in perfect conditions, that is all out of our control. But we wanna focus on what we can control. So from the beginning with Elena, it was about overcoming some defeated mechanics. She had some injuries last year and she ran this half marathon in vegas last year with a pr but it was to the sacrifice of her body and she was in some pain so we had to start from the basics we had to eliminate running for a while even this is important part to bring up because while she was establishing her base after we had done her assessment we worked on her base for a long period of time in fact We did it as long as we possibly could over the summer. Then leading up to this race, it's natural, but she was a little bit concerned that, well, I didn't run as many miles as I ran the year before. I didn't get in all of these extra sessions or extra volume like I had gotten in before. But I reminded her, yeah, but you're a lot stronger. You don't have the energy leaks and you don't need all that extra, especially when you have better quality over quantity. So she ended up having a huge day. She ran about 10 minutes faster than last year, about 20 seconds per mile somewhere in there than she ran last year. And even though I was pretty confident that she was going to be able to do that, she ran about 11 seconds faster per mile than we had even planned for, which I think is important to note because she had the mental flexibility And the night before when she called me, she was talking about, am I gonna be able to run this pace? I'm really focused on running this pace. And we talked about how really she had to focus on the process, not the outcome. And I sent her a picture of my cat in the dryer. As silly as that sounds, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was about exactly that, getting her to laugh and smile and realize that she was just overthinking this whole thing. And after we talked about how funny it was that my cat likes to sleep in the dryer, then we got to business and talked a little bit more about her plan, reminding her that she had done the right work this time. She was stronger never, and she had to really focus on her process, not the outcome and then that is exactly what yielded the result she wanted. And with Billy, he was the other end of the spectrum in the sense where he had been doing so much base and strength work. He was so strong for his size and he came off of rowing though. So for him to qualify was not an easy task. And for those of you running halves, you'll know he ran under 118 for his half marathon to qualify for New York. That's, that's no small thing. Excellent work. But especially when you consider the fact that he was coming off of rowing in college and not a ton of running. So in the last six weeks, he made significant progress. But the difference with him is he really trusted how strong he was. He knew that he didn't need to do all of that mileage in order to get stronger because he already was strong. He just needed to sharpen, sharpen, sharpen. And in a very short amount of time, he did exactly that. He sharpened. I'll finish with this. His father was really nice to text me about how Billy had gone through his rituals the week of, the night before, the morning of. He knew exactly what he needed to do to be ready. He knew exactly what he needed to get in nutrition-wise. He knew he had the right approach. He had the right sharpening leading up into the event. And so he was just 100% confident in what he could do. And that, I think, is what allowed him to run minutes faster than we predicted him at just six weeks ago. And so, yes, I knew he was going to qualify, but I thought that it was going to be a little bit closer than it was, he ended up running a good couple minutes faster than we initially thought. So again, another great example about understanding where you're at and what your why is what your goals are. But in his case, we worked a lot more on the power and sharpening in that last six weeks. Whereas in Elena's case, we worked a lot more on her base and her strength and really didn't worry too much about that power progression. Although it was still in there for both people, they still had the all three fundamentals of what we've been talking about
0: and that just exemplifies how if this is your process for your success and you have to make it relative to you and make it purposeful to your goals so get in touch if you have any questions you can email us pendola project at gmail.com maybe we'll read one on an episode or we can just correspond with you privately and you can also get in touch on
1: facebook and instagram Yeah, man. And thanks to Billy and Elena for setting the example. Thanks for listening.